BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Mike Pence back on March 6th when the uh, people from the Corona Princess, the cruise ship, or the Grand Princess, Corona Princess, geez, sorry, I renamed it, I guess. Uh, the Grand Princess were, were tested, a bunch of them had the coronavirus. He said, we will be testing everyone on that ship. 21 passengers had already tested positive, and they'd been you know, quarantined together for a couple of weeks. But now it turns out that 568 of the 858 passengers, in other words, a majority of them, said, no, I, you know, I don't want to be tested. Now, why did they say no? Uh, one of the passengers who spoke with the, this is out of the San Francisco Chronicle, one of the passengers who spoke with the Chronicle said, quote, federal health officials dissuaded them from taking the test, saying that if they had no symptoms during the mandatory 14-day quarantine, a test was unnecessary. So the Trump administration said, put them on airplanes and flew them all over the country, these 568 people who were never tested, who got off the cruise ship where they had all these cases of it. Brilliant. Mike Pence apparently didn't want the numbers going. Keep in mind, this was back, this was a couple of weeks ago. This was back when Trump was saying he didn't even want to let one of these ships dock. I think it was the second one following this one, to let one of these ships dock because he liked the numbers where they are. He didn't want to see the numbers go up. Meanwhile, we are literally weaponizing the coronavirus in our war with Iran. Make no mistake about it, from Iran's point of view, we are at war with them. We just increased our sanctions. And the part of our sanctions, this is uh, Iranian Foreign Minister Javed Zarif, calls this medical terrorism. And Bernie Sanders says we should not be contributing to this humanitarian disaster. The Trump administration just cranked up their sanctions, which include sanctions on pharmaceuticals and medical supplies. So Iran, which is going through a crisis like Italy right now, it's just not as visible because they don't have a free press, is unable to get medical supplies and drugs because of the U.S. sanctions. And the Trump administration just increased those, just tightened the screws. This guy is a sadist. You know, we had Dr. Justin Frank on talking about this, the psychiatrist who teaches psychiatry at George Washington University Medical School in D.C. This guy is a sociopathic sadist. He delights in the pain of other people. He still has thousands of children in cages around the United States. And ICE can get them all the masks they want because the federal government is out there bidding against the states for these supplies that have now become in short supply and the price is going up and they're, and they're, they're being sold at auction and the federal government to supply ICE. 
and the Border Patrol and our prison systems, the federal government is paying a higher price for these things. Why don't we just let these immigrants out of these jails? This is just insane. And the medical terrorism, I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. Meanwhile, some good news. This is interesting. This is from a uh, company literally right across the river from us. On the other side of the Columbia River is Vancouver, Washington. We're here in Portland. And there's a company called Molecular Testing Labs, and they have developed an at-home test kit. You swab yourself, and then you put it in the mail back to them, and you know, within a day of their receiving it from you in the mail, they give you the results. It looks like it's going to sell for a couple hundred bucks. This is just the beginning. We're going to see a lot of these kind of things coming along over the next month or so. Right now, though, there are no at-home test kits that have been approved by the Food and Drug Administration. So this has become a scam. The grifters are going to grift, you know. So there are people who are selling, quote, at-home coronavirus test kits by telemarketing and on websites, and they are just scams. So beware. The legitimate ones will be coming down the road. You'll be able to get them from legitimate sources. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister of Norway held a children-only COVID-19 press conference. This is uh, just beautiful. This is from sbs.com.au, one of the Australian newspapers. Norwegian Prime Minister Erna Solberg on Monday held a children-only press conference on the coronavirus. Norway has closed everything, private institutions, schools, kindergartens, everything. The Prime Minister of Norway said, She said, it's been special days, and many of you children think it is scary. It's okay to be scared when so many things happen at the same time. Let's just answer all your questions. And so they took questions from the children who were watching. Things like, can I have a birthday party? Can I visit my grandparents after I went to the shopping center? How long does it take to make a vaccine? What can I do to help other people? She gave answers like, by being home, you're helping other people not to be contaminated and get sick. It's important for those who already have a disease or who are old, so you know we need to help those people. She said if somebody has a birthday in the class, everybody should ring them, in other words, call them, and sing happy birthday. The press conference was hailed by the World Health Organization's Director General as a, quote, great initiative. He said, educating children and responding to their questions on COVID-19 can help reduce their anxiety and address their uncertainty during this difficult time. This is the Prime Minister of Norway. She ended the press conference by telling the kids, just because you aren't at school doesn't mean you shouldn't learn things. And it's a bit fun to learn. But the uncertainty thing is the big thing. You know, people can deal with crisis, but it's much harder to deal with uncertainty, which is kind of where we were in the United States a couple of weeks ago, was uncertain about how this was going to play out and what's going on. We were watching what was happening up in Washington. We got the first case on the same day, I believe it was January 22nd, same day that South Korea got their first case. And South Korea immediately within a week had testing kits developed, approved, and within the second week deployed all across the country. They had a, a, a bunch of different companies manufacturing them and they were, they were distributing them all across South Korea. And they are now bending the curve. They have now bent the curve, in fact. They locked down the country. Well, Trump, the Trump administration decided to do none of the above. And instead, Donald Trump went on TV for over a month and lied about what they knew was going on. And we know that they knew it because now we've got the leaked reports of Senate Intelligence Chairman Richard Burr, the Republican from North Carolina, telling his wealthy donors weeks ago that this was going to be like the 1918 pandemic flu. And at the same time that he was selling stock like there was no tomorrow. So these guys have known for a long time. And now the Trump administration, Eugene Scalia, Anthony Scalia's son, runs the U.S. Department of Labor. He's the U.S. Secretary of Labor. 
According to the New York Times, they have, quote, instructed state officials to only provide information using generalities about unemployment claims. You may say unemployment is up or down, but do not report the numbers anymore. Why would that be? Well, probably because, as I reported here, they don't want states making these numbers public. Well, Oregon did. And our unemployment went up 3,200% in a week. That's why they don't want the numbers up. This is the Tom Hartman Program. But now the Department of Labor is telling the states, don't even give us the numbers. I mean, this is, this is like over the top. I wanted to talk about South Korea. There's a great report from Reuters. It's by Chad Terhune. T-E-R-H-U-N-E, and uh, you can find it over at Reuters.com. It's titled Special Report, How Korea Trounced U.S. in Race to Test People for Coronavirus. And I think it's probably one of the most important points in the entire thing is that the United States, whose first case was detected the same day as South Korea's, the same day, is not even close to meeting demand for testing. About 60,000 tests have been run by public and private labs in a country of 330 million. But in late January, this is when, you know, word was coming out, word was coming out of China that this virus was happening and that it was a huge problem in in, uh, Wuhan and uh, Hubei province in December. And now we know that it actually erupted in November and that this doctor who had sounded the signal got hassled by the Chinese government and, you know, in their attempt to cover this up, it got out of control, shall we say, at the very least, a government failure there of China, but then responded in a very vigorous way once it did get out of control. But it also got out of China. And we live in a world where people fly constantly. I mean, obviously the numbers are much smaller now than they were just a month ago, but people fly constantly. So in South Korea, when they started seeing these numbers, they were like, okay, uh, we got to do something about this. Here's the article. This is Chad Terhune in, in Reuters. In late January, South Korean health officials summoned representatives from more than 20 medical companies. Now, keep in mind, this is January. From 20 medical companies from their Lunar New Year celebrations to a conference room tucked inside Seoul's busy train station. One of the country's top infectious disease officials delivered an urgent message. South Korea needs an effective test now to detect this coronavirus that's running rampant in China because it will come here. And we need to be able to catch it. There were only four known cases at that point in South Korea, but they were very worried. This is after cases were already detected in the United States and South Korea One case in the United States, one case in South Korea on the same day. A week later, or a few days later, they've got four cases in South Korea, and they're getting together with 20 different medical companies. We acted like an army, said Lee Sang-won, an infectious disease expert at Korea's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. A week after that January 27th meeting, South Korea's CDC approved one company's diagnostic test. Another company soon followed. By the end of February, South Korea was making headlines around the world for its drive-through screening centers and ability to test thousands of people daily. Seven weeks after that train station meeting, the Koreans have tested well over 290,000 people and identified over 8,000 infections. New cases are falling off. 93 were reported Wednesday, down from a daily peak of 909 two weeks earlier. 
So South Korea was experiencing 909 new cases a day. And by widespread testing, they got that down to yesterday, a total of 93 cases. Nationwide. Now, obviously, South Korea is a smaller country than the United States, but nationwide. Now, the article goes into considerable depths about the CDC and the FDA and the FDA greenlighting the CDC test kit and the CDC test kit didn't work and all that kind of stuff. And eventually, on January 30th, only days after the Seoul train station meeting, the U.S. Department of HHS declared the novel coronavirus a public health emergency, citing a similar pronouncement from the WHO. And then the CDC tried to develop their own test. Now, let me add, and I've You know, I've been saying from the beginning, the tests being created in South Korea were based on, and you can read the article in Reuters if you want. It's all, I mean, this is is all over in multiple articles all over the place. These tests were based on a standard for these tests that was published by the World Health Organization. And the World, World Health Organization had authorized labs around the world to make these tests. And they were shipping them quite some time ago. And if you go over to Snopes, you'll find one side of the story. If you go to Politico, you'll find the other side of the story. The Politico article talks about how we chose not to take the CDC tests when they were already shipping them to 60 different countries. And then the Snopes thing says, well, we're going to fact check that. It turns out that it wasn't that the United States decided not to take the test kits. It was that the World Health Organization never offered them to us. Well, the World Health Organization only offers test kits. This is subsidized test kits, right? They only offer them to poor countries. But any country that has the means to buy them could simply call the World Health Organization and say, we'd like some of these. Or for that matter, they don't even need to go through the WHO. They can go to the manufacturers. There's a German company that manufactures most of them, but they've licensed manufacturers in a couple of other countries as well. So Snopes is saying, well, it's not true that the WHO offered the test kits to America and America turned them down. WHO doesn't routinely offer test kits to America on anything because we're an advanced country. Yeah, that's right. But... The other side of the story, which the political article points out, which is also true, is that if the, if the United States, as soon as the CDC learned in early February that their test kit was not working right, and by the way, it takes four days because you've got to ship the samples to Atlanta and, and wait for the results to come back. As soon as they figured that out, they could have gone to the World Health Organization, to WHO, to who? To who? And... <laughs> or the foreign manufacturers, and simply started buying them. We could have been testing people using WHO test kits. There was no impediment to that. It's not like the WHO said, no, you can't have them. What they said is, we're not going to give them to you for free. We're not even going to offer them to you for free, because it's never happened before. Well, that makes sense. The Trump administration could have easily said to any of these manufacturers of WHO-certified test kits, Hey, we'd like to buy some of those. Now, they were asked about this at their press conference yesterday. And one of the people said, well, there were too many negative tests. And that's why we chose not to buy them. That was a lie. And then today, and like I said, South Korea is down to 90 new cases a day. And then today, Trump was asked, 
Why is your administration not preparing itself for the crisis by ramping up production of test kits? And Trump turned to the reporter and said, the only thing we weren't prepared for was the media. The media has not treated us fairly. And Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, who was in the room, says this is a really disturbing display from the podium. One in keeping with the president's view of and statements about the press for three years, but taking place during a pandemic. He talks about how poorly he feels he's been treated. To recap, three major broadsheets, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, which have been reporting on the extensive failures of his administration in dealing with the coronavirus, are dishonest. I mean, this is where we're at. Other countries are getting this thing under control. We have it burning through us. And you still can't get tested in most parts of the United States, in the vast majority of the United States. And even where you can, you've got to jump through all kinds of hoops and meet certain criteria. This is the Tom Hartman Program. I have gotten four of these calls now in the last two days. The robo-scam artists are running full-tilt boogie right now. I've gotten this voicemail four different times from four different phone numbers, all in the Oregon area code. They can spoof your area code, so you think it's a local call, you think it's somebody you know. What they're saying is basically, you've been overcharged, and just call this number or contact us, and we'll fix it for you. Here it is. You got overcharged by your third-party supplier. You will be receiving a rebate check along with a 30% discount on your electric and gas bill. Right. Please press 1 to get your rebate check. Right. See, and, and at that point, you press 1 and boom, you're talking to somebody who's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, and they're going to take your money. So if you get one of those things, do not do it, right? Because <laughs> they're, they're really aggressively doing this thing. I just got that call like 20 minutes ago. Finally, uh, Trump says, let them eat coronavirus. This is just crazy. It is Mark Sumner writing about this over at the Daily Kos. In his press conference, somebody asked Donald Trump, are the wealthy and powerful, the rich and powerful, powerful being Lindsey Graham's of the world, wealthy being whoever they are, are they getting coronavirus tests before anybody else? And is that fair? And Trump basically said, that's life. You know, that's the way things are. It's amazing. Let's pick up your phone calls here. John in Los Angeles. Hey, John, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, I've got this uh, COVID-19 solved, but I need you and your brilliant listeners to tell me what I'm mistaken and what I'm getting wrong. Why do they not, instead of having mass hysteria that's causing all these other ripple effect problems, why don't they simply selectively target those populations that are seriously at risk? This is like a cold to 90-something percent of the population. It's like a mild cold you get over. No, it it is absolutely not, John. John, I'm not going to let you spread that kind of BS and disinformation and lies on my air. This is not like a cold for 90 percent. It's a very severe disease for at least half the people who get it. And about 20 percent of the people who get it require hospitalization. And this whole sales pitch that's, that's out there in right-wing hate radio and was on Fox News up until yesterday when suddenly Fox News changed their tune because all these multimillionaire hosts realized, hey, I could get this. These are lies, John, that you're believing or that you're intentionally spreading. And they will kill people. Everybody is at risk with this disease. Kids can get sick from this, really sick, like lifelong lung damage sick. 20-somethings die from it. A piece in the New York Times a couple of days ago about two 29-year-old nurses who both got the virus. One of them died. 30-year-olds die from it. People in their 30s die from this. People in their 40s die more frequently from it. People in their 50s even more frequently. And kids 
in many cases, you know, they don't show symptoms. About half of them don't show any symptoms, but they're spreading it all over the place. And they're spreading it to people who are older and who will die. So, John, that, that, that kind of mentality and, the, and that sales pitch that you're selling, I'm not buying it. Go sell it to Rush Limbaugh. As much as I am a fanatic about voting and civic participation and all that, I think that the public health officer, the state public health officer for the state of Ohio, who made this call to say Ohio is going to postpone their primary, did the right thing. I think it's the right thing. And, and, and Ron Wyden has proposed legislation to give all the states money right now, all the states that don't have vote by mail. There are four states that have vote by mail and a fifth one that's planning on adding it or that is in the process of adding it right now, California to give all the states that don't have vote by mail the ability to do vote by mail before November. Let's just like make that possible, right? That's what Wyden is doing. We really need to be doing that. And let me just say, you know, if you are, if you suffer from hypertension, which is a major risk factor, high blood pressure, or if you're over, probably over 40, and certainly, well, certainly over 40, maybe even over 30, I would say, you know, if you haven't already voted by absentee ballot, you should just think that you've lost your chance. This is just my personal opinion. I realize it may be very controversial, but this is not, number one, this is not a disease you want to get. And number two, we need to slow down the rate at which this disease is spreading in our population. And this, by the way, this is the thoughtful, let's take it cautious and careful, non-hysterical approach to this is back off from any unnecessary contact with the public and just do that for a while. Because what's going to happen is over the next few weeks, we're going to see the early stage. It was literally the end of February. This is quoting from a, an article in Politico today. By the end of February, the World Health Organization had shipped tests to nearly 60 countries. The United States was not among them. Senator Patty Murray, back in February, sent a letter to the White House saying, please provide an explanation for why the COVID-19 diagnostic test approved by the World Health Organization was not used here in the United States. She sent it to Mike Pence, to Alex Azar, the Health and Human Services Secretary, the CDC Director Robert Redfield, and the Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Stephen Hahn. She has not yet received an answer. We still don't know why. It's not available here. And because of that, because of that absolute lack of testing, New York is starting to find out where they have cases of this, and it's starting to freak out their governor, a phrase he used yesterday. And Governor Cuomo gave a very solid, very taking responsibility press conference. It was just extraordinary if you missed it where he said, my phone is ringing off the hook. People are really upset that their favorite bar or restaurant is closed, et cetera, et cetera. He said, don't take it out on your state health officials. Don't take it out on your bar or restaurant owners. Take it out on me. I'm the one who made that call. I'm responsible. And that's leadership. But because we didn't have the test kits, and we still largely don't, we don't know if there are other pockets around the country and they may well exist in these states where these primaries are happening. We just don't know because of this failure of the Trump administration that they're still not explaining why. Because of that, because we don't know, your life 
and not just yours, and particularly I've seen young people, Rick Santelli, right? The guy who originally called for the Tea Party on CNBC, or, or uh, yeah, I believe it was CNBC, back in 2009, actually. He was all upset about poor people's mortgages going underwater. How did we, you know, you know, ranting about Jimmy Carter, you know, he, he, he said redlining was a bad thing, you can't do that. Rick Santelli said we need a Tea Party, and that kind of kicked off the Tea Party. Well, Rick Santelli, a few days ago, maybe a week or so ago, said, why don't we just let everybody get sick? Why don't we just all go out in public and let everybody get sick? Well, the real good answer to that question, yes, eventually we will have herd immunity. This will go through our population, and most of us will get it, certainly more than half of us, and most of us will recover from it, and hopefully most of us will be immune to it for the rest of our lives. That's the good news. And that'll probably, that, you know, we'll be through that process probably a year from now, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. But in the meantime, over the short term, there is going to be this uptick that is going to, according to New York's governor this morning, and he, and he made it very clear, he doesn't think his state is unique. He thinks every state is going to go through this. There will be a burst of these showing up in the emergency rooms, and they will overwhelm the hospitals. If we look at what happened in Italy, if we look at what hap what's happening in France right now, Norway, one of their largest colleges, just sent an email to all of their students around the world who are not going to college in that Norwegian college, but are you know, affiliated with it to get credits and things, telling them if you are in, in an undeveloped country that does not have good healthcare infrastructure, please get on a plane and come back to Norway right now. And they listed the countries and the United States was at the top of the list. So this bailout, Trump was on TV talking about he's going to have this wonderful bailout. I absolutely want this administration to succeed. This is a time of national crisis. I'm not going to say, like Rush Limbaugh said about Barack Obama in 2009, Limbaugh said he hopes that Obama fails when he became president. I'm not going to say that about Donald Trump. I hope he succeeds. And Steve Mnuchin this morning said, we're not talking about cutting the payroll tax. Now, of course, he knows that probably wouldn't get through the House of Representatives anyway, because it would be the death knell of Social Security. But he said, we're not talking about cutting the payroll tax. What we're talking about is sending checks to people right now. You recall in 2001, after 9-11, George Bush wanted to stimulate the economy with a massive tax cut, and he did. But most of that tax cut, as tax cuts usually do, went to wealthy people and big corporations because, you know, they pay the most taxes. So, you know, they're going to get the biggest part of the tax cut. And Bernie Sanders demanded <laughs> loudly on the floor of the House of Representatives that there should be at least a $300 check to every American. And George Bush heard that. I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of public demand for it. George Bush heard that and said, cool, let's do this. And I, I remember when Louise and I, we were living in Vermont at the time, I remember when we got the check and it said, President George Bush wanted to make sure you got this check. <laughs> but it was pretty, see, I, and I knew because he was my representative in Congress at the time. This was long before I was doing a radio program. This was three years before. And it helped. You know, giving 300 bucks to everybody helped. That was after 9-11. Well, Mnuchin said this morning, in terms of the airline industry, in terms of the hospitality industry, in terms of the banks, this is worse than 9-11. And it is. The stock market drop was one that was nearly equal to, and per, uh, the S&P, uh, you know, is as bad as, as 1987. With the Dow, it's, it's, it could have been 1929. It was close to that in terms of the percentage drop. Hopefully this will stabilize. Hopefully this package that Mnuchin is going to walk over to the Republican leadership in the Senate will work. 
We'll see. I hope so. Because we all need to be here for each other. We need to be supportive of each other. Let's move forward without fear, but with caution. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.
Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. Margie in Wisconsin Rapids, one of our uh, over-the-road truckers listening on SiriusXM. Hey, Margie, what's on your mind today? Oh, I just want to talk about why it is so important that we have a federal response. Yes. Not only am I an over-the-road truck driver, I also belong to an international nonprofit organization that does reenactment of the Middle Ages. Have you done the Great Plague of the 1300s? Pretty close. Here's the thing. When you're doing anything state by state, there needs to be federal regulations. As a truck driver, how are we supposed to figure out what the regulation is every state that we drive through when we might be going through three four or five states a day how are we supposed to know ahead of time which states have curfews which states are all of the restaurants closed except for drive-through the other thing that the federal government would help on this is to understand they have an understanding of interstate commerce. Truck drivers, we're going through numerous states a day. Where are we supposed to eat if all of the restaurants are closed? Right. Trust me, I cannot take my 18-wheeler through the local McDonald's, nor can any other truck. This is where the federal government, because they are the ones in charge of interstate commerce, can put the exceptions in to, okay, you need to, you know, if you're shutting down restaurants or anything, you need to leave the truck stop restaurants open so we can eat. Well, is there an an added problem that when the restaurants close down, the bathrooms close down too? Not necessarily. We're afraid that's going to come next. Mm-hmm. Most of the big truck stops are taking, you know, preventative cautions. They have closed on their own, closed down any buffets, closed down any salad lines. They've actually closed down that we're not able to use our own mugs for refills on coffee. We have to now use, which they have been pushing for years for environmental purposes. We can't use those right now because there's too much risk of cross-contamination. So they're doing what they can, but I can't go from Ohio to New York not knowing what the rules are, and now now places are coming up with curfews. There has to be... So, so the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB that regulates trucking across the United States, correct me if I'm wrong, should have a simple website that FM- gives all this information to truckers. Actually, it's FMCSA. So there's your correction. Okay, thank you. What's that stand Federal, for? Federal Motor Carrier Safety Association, FMC, okay. yeah. Federal motors, yeah, yeah. Okay. they're yeah they're the ones that actually regulate us. Now they are doing a standard, and this is done in hurricanes and every all the time. Is they're waiving mm-hmm. our hours of service regulations if we are responding to an emergency, so that if we're trying to bring food from California to Chicago, we can bypass some of the rules. 
That's about the only thing that's been nationwide so far. It doesn't have the specifics. Yeah, and we need to do something. And again, this is a good reason to be calling your senators and your members of the House of Representatives and say, damn it, do something. Margie, thank you. Dwayne in Kansas City, Missouri. I went to work today and I wore a respirator because I'm not ill and I got sent home. You mean you wore a mask? Yeah, yeah, no, a respirator. A mask is, from what they're saying, a mask ain't going to work once it's moist. A respirator will protect you, you know. But um, no, right, I okay. overreacted, so I got sent home. Oh my! Which I'm all right with. I didn't What's, want to go to work anyway. What kind of job do you have, if you don't mind my asking? I mean, feel free to tell me. You, you don't want to say, but maintenance, maintenance work. Okay. Yeah, yeah my wife doesn't so. isn't going to work because she's we kind of work similar jobs. She's clean. She's cleaning, kind of maintenance similar. Mm-hmm. I clean toilets too, but I do you know put toilets yeah. in and all that too. Right. She does the right. cleaning, and she has to drive a bus, and it's all elderly people, pretty much. I said, no. Oh, wow. uh-uh. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to work. We used to make fun of people with OCD. Remember Mr. Monk, that whole TV you know, series about Mr. Monk, the detective who had OCD and wouldn't touch things? We're all Mr. Monk now. We've got to become. Dwayne, thank you. Broadcasting live from my home, where I'm sheltering in place with my wife and three cats and two dogs. Hope you can too, and if you can't, be careful. Mike in Lamita, California. Hey Mike, thanks for listening to KPFK, what's up? My advice to everybody is get eight hours of sleep a night if you're able, and I follow a ventilator-required pneumonia protocol, which is to follow very rigorous oral hygiene before bedtime that's brush, water floss, and rinse, and then I elevate Is the head so of the bed 30 degrees. Bacteria? Well, it helps with full secretions, and it, this protocol has reduced the incidence of pneumonias among people who are on ventilators. So I use it for my personal life, and it seems to be working pretty well so far. Meditation and deep breathing exercises are helpful, and the miracle drug of all miracle drugs is exercise. You're talking about right. uh, half an hour a day walk. Yes, anything along the line will help you immensely. And if you smoke anything, this is the perfect opportunity to get off of the habit. I'm not talking right. about anything. Even if it's right. cannabinoids, try eating instead of inhaling smoke. Yep. Smoke inhalation is yep. a diagnosis. So those are my basic <clears throat> tips. Oh, I, I have to agree also with your advice on handling things. Everyone should carry some clean tissues because a lot of times you go into a public restroom and there are no paper towels in there to open the door handle with to get out. So that's another way to avoid contamination. And with viral particles of the SARS-CoV-2 persisting up to three days on plastic, uh, I would be very careful about opening packages which so often come in plastic containers now well, we also we also we also know that those hand dryers that they have in a lot of public restrooms blow viruses all over the room if people don't wash their hands really really thoroughly and rigorously and most people don't they basically just rinse themselves you know when when it was just colds and flu this was not that big a deal but now that you've got this coronavirus yeah. running around it is a huge deal and so you know if i well the the, the last time i was going through airports a couple of weeks ago i walked into one men's room and 
there was, they had those electric hand sanitizers going. And I walked back out again and walked down looking for another place to use the bathroom. You know, be careful. Tom Harbin here with you. Ramon in San Francisco. Hey, Ramon, thanks for listening to 910 AM. What's on your mind today? Oh, Tom, you're going lightning. Tom, I have some something to tell you. I read in a Cuban newspaper last night that Cuba is providing interferon alpha 2B to China to level the coronavirus infection. And this is not a vaccine, but rather it's a therapeutic that enhances your immune system. And you know, uh, right. uh, interferon. Right. They use it for hepatitis by- uh, A. Oh, Did you say gamma globulin or was it, or, or oh, interferon? No, interfer- interfer- they're providing interferon. Alpha 2B. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, and China and Cuba are providing it to the world right now because Cuba offered mm-hmm. it to the world, but they said that they have huge stock of this enhancement of your immune system. But this is what happened when the right. coronavirus attacks you, it goes into your immune system right away. And well, it's your immune system that has to fight it back. It goes into your lung cells. It, it seems to attach to, to uh, what's called an angiotensin receptor, which is angiotensin is a hormone that our, mostly our kidneys make that regulates our blood pressure. But that's a whole other rant. But yeah, Ramon, did you see the news report? I mean, I haven't read the Cuban newspapers. Thank you for sharing that along. But just yes. the public news was reporting last week that China had transported a giant military transport with a ton of of blood plasma, that's just the, the, the pure liquid, uh, transparent liquid of your blood, you know, you spin out everything out of it, uh, blood plasma from recovered coronavirus victims to Italy. Wow. Italy is infusing this into their most severely injured people because that serum is filled with antibodies that uh, are against the coronavirus. Did you see that? And this is designed by the Cubans. And China provides the infrastructure. It may be. It, it may well be, because no, Cuba is. has one it of the most advanced Rick, medical Rick, systems Rick, in many Rick. regards in the world. Check the nation, the people newspaper, and it'll tell you in detail yeah. what okay. they're doing. And, and besides, uh, I wish that you would read a book called Blindness by uh, Jose Saramago. He's an old prize of literature, and he talks about uh, when people lose their sight, all of a sudden everybody gets sickened, and the whole country shuts off. And you should see the consequences. And it's a very visionary book. And this yeah. gentleman is just a fantastic okay. writer. So check him out. Jose Saramago. Okay, Blind I'll do it. Ramon, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for the call. Thanks for listening to 910 AM. Jared in Downington, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jared, what's on your mind today? Coronavirus outbreak here in Pennsylvania. And it seems to be spreading now um, across our county here in Chester County. Mm-hmm. I'm just... We've had, um, at my job, we're no longer 24 hours. So I work the overnight shifts there at my local pharmacy. And now I'm stuck on um, the second night shift. And my brother is also out of work currently. And my my father also worked overnight at the local Wegmans. And he now, um, it's no longer 24 hours there as well. So what we're seeing is a mass uh, exodus of people leaving the workforce. We're having people literally just quit their jobs outright. We had one employee have to leave because her dad said, uh, a, uh, quote unquote, uh, you can't work here anymore as long as this is continuing. For fear of that I, person being exposed to a, a sick member of the public? Was that the... 
the issue. Yeah, and we're also having another person as well because of their doctor saying you can't work here because of the coronavirus. So we're seeing a mass exodus of, of the workforce. And I don't think the capitalistic system can handle this, this uh, crisis because capitalism is based off people buying goods, consuming, working to produce said goods. And if that isn't happening, we're going to see an economic downturn, the likes of which we've never seen before. Because well, I'd say the likes of which we saw back in the, in, in the 1920s and 30s. Exactly. Capitalism is, I believe, on its death throes because it's just, it cannot deal with our modern society of, we're overproducing things. We just have an abundance of things. And under communism, when you have overabundance of things, you collectivize it in a way that would give it to everybody in an equal fashion. But what we're doing currently is that we're just mass producing things and we're having whole shelves are just gone with toilet paper. We don't have thermometers on the shelves. We don't have hand sanitizer. We don't have anything, honestly. Yeah. Same here. And the government is, and the government is bailing out big corporations. They're bailing out fossil fuel shale industry, cruise lines, but not the American people. This could lead to uh, full-scale rioting if this doesn't stop soon. If we see a complete and total collapse of the economy. Yeah. Well, let's hope it never gets that far. Carol in Hammond, California. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind today? My brother is a bus driver in New York City. He called us and told us that they have no face masks, no gloves, no protective gear, social distancing in New York on a bus. Mm, try it. Yeah. What I wanted to say was my brother has incurable, inoperable liver cancer, and there's no more chemotherapy that he can take. Under these circumstances, he's out there driving with his immune wow. system in that condition and also were they to declare a shelter in place transportation is considered essential service my brother cannot stop working he is chock full of bills from his cancer yeah. he's oh, also man. a dad and here we are with this precedent this financial system this economic system we don't think he has two years and how much of that is going on in this country with the cancer rates that we have? Anyway, I'll hang up. Thank you. Yeah, well said, Carol. Thank you very much. Vincent in Akron, Ohio. Hey, Vincent, what's on your mind? Oh, hi, Tom. I wanted to call in about uh, mainly the money aspect of the coronavirus and, and, and perhaps a different way than you might expect. My family has, honestly, a lot of money. My parents started a business 20-some years ago. Sold it, made a boatload, and but we're all progressive, and we're watching the TV, yelling at it, going, "Healthcare, not wealthcare, guys! Come on, we're we're going to be fine." In fact, I might even make perversely some money off the crisis because the market's going down, so I'll be, you know, buying stuff up as it tanks. But most people couldn't do that. So, what's your point, Vincent? Well, some of us actually care, and also Mike mm. Dewine. I think his. His closing the polls and whatnot was actually quite a good thing. And even though some people are, yeah, 
just a lot safer. Although I think I think that Ohio, actually, I think what he should have done was he should have said the, and I'm guessing he didn't because he doesn't have the legal authority to do it. It probably would blow up against the Constitution of Ohio. But I thought he should have said, you know, we've had uh, absentee balloting, you know, for the last couple of months, whatever it is in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are going to end, we're going to declare the election over. Uh, before the polls open and the ballots that we're going to be counting are the absentee ballots and it's just going to be that way. Vincent, thanks for the call. Colin in Kirkland, Washington. Hey, Colin, what's up? The John Hopkins pandemic scenario. It is actually called the Event 201 scenario. So if you Google Event 201, the first couple links that people will find, and I very highly encourage you and your, and everybody else to look at this, the first couple of links will get you to a website called the Center for Health Security.org. Reading through some of this, I have to admit it's actually quite disturbing how accurate the details they got these scenario down to. I mean, they even had it down to this novel zoonotic coronavirus starting with bats. And, well, that's because uh, they saw that with SARS. Right, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, this um, is the exact but, same um, scenario as SARS. It's just not as deadly, and it's far more transmissible. Right. Well, they, the transmissibility issue, they even pointed out in the scenario as well. I hope you and all your listeners read more about this. But in the scenario, yeah. I would like to point out that, you know, for people who still hope that this might all be three, four, five, or six-month issue, this scenario, and what I'm reading, they ran the scenario for a year and a half. After a year and a half, they ended the scenario with a global death toll of 65 million. And from what I'm reading, they implied that essentially the pandemic would actually continue at some rate until there was an effective vaccine or until 80 to 90 percent of the global population had been exposed. And it's not until after that that this would then finally become an endemic childhood disease. Yeah, I wonder if that's how measles started out. When measles first started ripping through the human population, because measles kills adults, probably a number similar to to novel coronavirus, you know, 1% or something like that. Uh, Measles can kill adults, but it doesn't generally kill kids. It's an awful disease for kids to have, um, and it causes miscarriages and, and malformed babies and things like that. But I wonder if when measles first started up, it was like this, and then, you know, we developed kind of herd immunity, and then it was only newborns who didn't have that immunity if it wasn't transmitted from mom, and apparently it's not, who are vulnerable. It's interesting. The whole thing of pandemic diseases I find absolutely fascinating, not to get too morbid on this. But uh, anyhow, uh, yeah. Colin, I got to run, but thank you. I wrote down Event 201, and I will, I will Google it or DuckDuckGo it when I get off the air. Thank you. Bill in Sebastian, Florida. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? COPD and, uh, and this virus are basically the same, correct? Well, no. Uh, COPD is the result of damage to your lungs, or I, I mean, there's a bunch of different things that can cause it. Well, it's at the top of the list. The breathing is inhibited, but, correct? Right. Yeah. Well, diet uh, yeah. has a lot to do with the recovery um, with the COPD. So I, I would I, think that diet has something to do with. I, with under, I understand that, well. Bill. And yeah, Bill, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to drop a, your call. Um, and and here's why. Yeah, that may be the case. And my own personal theory is that it's probably the case. And we know that, you know, diet and obesity and stuff like that are, are risk factors for lots and lots of things. But I really don't want anybody calling into the program and offering medical advice, basically, even if it's 
relatively friendly medical advice. And I, I'll admit, I've done this myself. Talked about how Louise and I are double dosing on vitamin C. Well, vitamin C is not going to protect us from the coronavirus. It might keep us healthy. You know, bottom line is, if you know about something that you think is going to help, share it with your friends, share it with your relatives, but it shouldn't go on the air. I want people to be informed about stuff that is peer-reviewed science. If we're going to talk about science, if we're going to talk about medications or cures or solutions, I've got to see it in a National Institutes of Health publication or some peer-reviewed publication before I'm going to put it on this air. So please don't call in with ideas about ways we can solve this that aren't partisan. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And Bill, I hope I didn't offend you. I, I really appreciate I know your heart's in the right place. And like I said, I believe that you're onto something, but I just don't want to go down that road anymore. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. Donald Trump is melting down right in front of us. I think what we're seeing as a nation now with his little quote, press conferences, his little reality TV show. That's really what it is. He, he thinks that his job as president is to be the host of a reality TV show. And the one that he was the host of for 11 years, Celebrity and Celebrity Apprentice, or Apprentice and Celebrity Apprentice, whatever it is, everybody sucked up to him, including the network and the people who worked on the show and the, the people who ran the cameras and the sound. And everybody sucked up to, yes, Mr. Trump. Oh, you're wonderful, Mr. Trump. Oh, what a brilliant idea, Mr. Trump. Everybody sucked up to him. And the press corps is not sucking up to him. His entire cabinet sucks up to him. He's replaced all the people who won't suck up to him with, with suck-ups. But the press is not doing it, and Trump is melting down. You know, I don't know if we're seeing what the people inside the White House have been seeing for three years, and this is just normal Trump, or if this is Trump having a nervous breakdown, if this is crack-up Trump. Uh, but at some point, if this gets much worse, Mike Pence needs to go to the cabinet and say, it's time to pull a plug on this guy with the 25th Amendment. Yet Anthony Fauci, the, you know, the, the, our chief scientist here, finally shows up again for one of these things where they're all standing two feet away from each other. And they go into this thing about this drug, this quinine drug that, that is used for malaria. And one of the reporters asked Trump about it. And he says, uh, he says, I like it. You know, he says, I, I think without saying too much, I'll probably be more of a fan than maybe anybody else, but I'm a big fan. Actually, he said that after Anthony Fauci had to say, you have to be careful when you say fairly effective. It was never done in a clinical trial. So Trump comes out and says it's fairly effective. Then Fauci says, no, it's not. And then Trump comes back and contradicts Fauci. And he says, 
Uh, I'm a big fan. We'll see what happens. We all understand what the doctor said is 100% correct. It's early, but I have seen things that are impressive. I will say that I'm a man that comes from a very positive school when it comes to, in particular, one of these drugs. You'll see how it works out. I'm not saying it will, but I think many people will be surprised. That, by the way, would be a game changer. You know, he's just blithering. So then he gets Peter Alexander from NBC says, this would be the perfect setup. It's like, you know, President Roosevelt, what do you say to the one-third of Americans who are unemployed and scared? And Roosevelt says, I would say to you, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Blinding, paralyzing fear that prevents forward progress. I'm paraphrasing from memory, but, you know, that's how a statesman would answer. So Peter Alexander says to Trump, he gives him the perfect opportunity to be presidential. He gives him the opportunity to be Winston Churchill and say, this is our shining moment. He gives him the opportunity to be Ronald Reagan and say, our country is the shining city on the hill and we're going to pull through and we're going to test everybody and we're going to buy tests from anywhere in the world we can get them and we're going to buy the respirators and and ventilators from China because yes, they are selling them and shipping them out right now. So what does Trump say? Peter Alexander says, so what do you say to the Americans who are scared? 200 dead and 14,000 who are sick and millions who are scared right now. Now, that is the perfect setup for Trump to step forward and be presidential. What do you say to the Americans who are scared? And listen to what this fool in the White House said. He said, I say that you're a terrible reporter. It's a bad signal that you're putting out to the American people. The American people are looking for hope. And the same with NBC and Comcast, who you do work for. Let me say something. That's really bad reporting. You want to get back to reporting instead of sensationalism. So then... After this happens, he goes after Peter Alexander. Caitlin Collins from CNN, this is a few minutes later, she says, you see yourself as a wartime president right now leading this country through this pandemic we're experiencing. Do you really think going off on Peter, going off on a network is appropriate when the country's going through something like this? And again, Trump had an opportunity to say, you know, you're right. We need to all pull together here, and I need to stop that kind of rhetoric. And, you know, this is going to be good. We're, it's going to be okay. We're going to get control of this thing, and here's exactly what I'm going to... But no, instead, he says, she says, do you think it's appropriate when the country's going through something like this to go off on Peter? He says, I do, because I think Peter is... I've dealt with Peter a long time, and I think Peter's not a good journalist when it comes to fairness. And she interrupts him, and she says, but he's asking for your message to the country. And Trump says, oh, I think it's a good message because the country has to understand that there is a deed, whether we like it or not, and some of the people in this room won't like it. There's a lot of really great news and great journalism, and there's a lot of fake news out there. My God. What, you know, how can anybody watch this and think that this guy is anything but mentally ill or incompetent or a fool or all of the above? One of the large credible polls was issued this morning. 53% of Americans think Trump is doing a great job or a fine job of managing this crisis. 53% of Americans? I mean, this is just, where does this come from? I suppose in the good news department, or at least for the future of childcare, the spread of the coronavirus has a direct impact on the economy. Sales of sex toys have increased and there's a shortage of condoms in most affected areas. Some people have started to stock up on food and hygiene products. Others are stockpiling condoms. Yes, it's true. Uh, The Womanizer brand has recorded sales that are much higher than in 2019, an increase of 50%. 60% higher sales in Italy, 40% higher sales in France, 71% higher sales in Hong Kong. I don't know, maybe people are making gloves out of them. (laughs) Oh, man. 
Meanwhile, we've got Jim Inhofe, Ron Johnson, Richard Burr, and Kelly Loeffler, four Republican senators, bailed out on their stock as soon as they got briefed on what was happening and how this was going down. And here in Oregon, remember how Trump gave $1.5 million to Quest and LabCorp, two testing companies, to ramp up their testing? Because, you know, he, we don't need to buy the tests from, from the German manufacturer that's WHO approved. Yes, uh, you know, I keep, people keep thinking that they're correcting me on Twitter you know, with, with this uh, Snopes fact check. The fact of the matter is, yes, the WHO does not offer anything to the United States. <laughs> We're a rich country. They offer test kits to poor countries. It's always been that way, right? It was that way with SARS and you know, MERS and everything else. But they did approve these test kits around the world. And while they wouldn't have been supplying them to us because they supply them to poor countries, we could have gotten the WHO approved test kits back in January from German manufacturers, or at least early February. We could have brought them into this country. WHO wouldn't be giving them to us because, you know, like I said, they subsidize poor countries. But they approved the test kits. So uh, what I'm saying is the WHO approved test kits. So anyhow, Trump decided to privatize it to Quest and LabCorp. And this is Oregon news again. Kate, Governor Kate Brown's administration, state health officials, could not answer questions for a second day in a row about when 20,000 coronavirus tests would arrive. Oregon has an agreement with Quest Diagnostics. And Nick Blosser, Brown's chief of staff, said, I don't have that answer right now when asked, you know, when are you going to get any of these test kits? You were supposed to get 5,000 very quickly. Meanwhile, a Quest spokeswoman would not answer, did not answer questions for a second day in a row about Oregon's announced deal. 1,400 Oregonians have been checked for coronavirus by state or private labs with 88 infections identified. So, and, and meanwhile, what's Trump waiting for? I mean, you know, he, he signed this, the Def- this uh, Defense Production Act that gives him the power to say to companies, you will make these face masks, you will make this personal protective gear. And the personal protective gear and the face masks are something that, they're, you know, they're nowhere near as elaborate, sophisticated, and technical as are the ventilators. They could be manufactured by companies that make other things fairly quickly. So why are we waiting for, you know, why is Trump waiting to do something about it? Well, it's because he keeps telling governors, tough luck, find them yourself. And then he bids against them to get face masks, the, the N95 masks, for ICE. Seriously, honest to God. New York, Boston, and Seattle now, nurses and doctors have set up their own makeshift assembly lines to make these things from Kraft's products. This is the Tom Hartman Program. MJ in Puget Sound, Washington. Hey, MJ, what's up? This past week, the people at the original nursing home that became ill was able to be tested. Lakewood? Up in Kirkland. And one of the problems that often people who have will have a job in more than one nursing home and they're discovering that other nursing homes have become affected. The patients are becoming ill. There's reports up in British Columbia about nursing homes where they're having a nexus of cases. One thing I want to tell you about passing this on is that, and this is about bathroom habits, I'll be as tasteful as I possibly can, but when your body is trying to clear itself of a virus. There are times in your body where it's sloughing off, and that's where it's going. It's going out your elimination. So you must close the lid of your toilet and wash your hands carefully. This atomizing, the virus going into sprinkles in the air, that happens out of your Mm -hmm. toilet. Then it's been tested that it can go six feet. Yeah, when you flush the toilet. I've seen that. Yeah, and if you go into a public restaurant, of this is up in the air and there's no lid, etc. Just 
do your business as quickly, push and run. Yeah. Wash your- right, and avoid the, the hand dryers because they just blow viruses all over the place. What a day. We're learning. You know, we're learning step by step. It's a different world than it was just uh, three months ago. And it's going to be a different world for a while. So, you know, we have to learn this. We have to, you know, hug somebody today who, if you physically can. And if you can't, do it virtually. Call them up. You know, connect with people. Check out meditation. Take a walk. Stay away from people, but take a walk. We'll get through this. And we'll make a better world because of it. Thanks so much for being with us. Get out there, get active. Tag, you're it. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.